got quiet in here. You can hear me now? Okay, good. Um, well, listen, uh, I have the distinct honor of introducing um, our guest pastor that's here with us this morning. If you've been around here at New Life, I think he was here about, what, five, six years ago? Was it five or six years ago? Um, you will undoubtedly remember him. He's kind of unforgettable. Um, Pastor Tom Demery is the founder and director of uh, Pentecost Walk, which is a ministry that you'll, you'll hear a little bit more about. He has a tremendous heart for God and I'm a, a contagious faith to see revival and, uh, and repentance and unity in the body of Christ. And uh, I, I'm just super excited that, uh, that he's here today. It was about five or six weeks ago. I was watching online, I don't know if you guys saw this, but there was a big prayer gathering in Washington, D.C. called The Return, and uh, they were streaming it online, and so it was like Saturday, I was catching some of it online and, and listening to some of the worship and some of the prayers, and all of a sudden, this guy gets up there, he's a, he's a bald guy with glasses, super good looking, and, um, and I was like, I know that, I know him, that's Tom Demery, and so he gets up and prays, and as soon as he started praying, it just stood out among everything that I've been watching the rest of that day. And I just want to, it's like a couple minutes, a clip. I want to show you uh, part of his prayer at the, uh, the return, uh, Global Day, National Day of Prayer. Go ahead. Today is not about the election. It's about Jesus. Tomorrow, when I'm in the pulpit of a dear friend in downtown Philly with a sweet church that for the most part doesn't vote the way I do, it won't be about urban renewal. It will be about Jesus. Luke 23, 12 says, that day, Herod and Pilate became friends. Before this, they'd been enemies. That was the day they were tag teaming to mock the King of Kings. Their friendship wasn't genuine. It wasn't grounded in unity. Theirs was a counterfeit of unity based on their common offense. So before I close with the national prayer of repentance, since God's if my people promise of healing is contingent upon our response to him as one people, let's start there. Father God, too many of us have fallen for that same counterfeit unity, unintentionally isolating and insulating ourselves from the fullness of your great commission through our cliques, often based on political and racial divides, a deceptive two-for-one sucker punch from hell. So today we declare red plus blue equals purple. Not, not a, not a kumbaya thing, sorry, where the gospel gets watered down till it's politically correct, but an infinitely higher trajectory than human effort could ever achieve, amen? For just as an artist combines reds and blues to create royal hues of purple, we believe when we, the people, come under the master's hand in genuine unity, we transcend this earthly realm of hall monitors and dividing lines as we step into the majesty of your kingdom. Kingdom unity is not something we teach, it's someone we receive, and its name your name is Jesus. Almighty God, we thank you and praise you for your unending mercy and grace poured out upon our nation. You have delivered us in times of war, reunited us after conflicts 
among ourselves and filled our lives with such abundance, your blessings overflow our borders. Yet still, we take you for granted. We come before you now in desperate need of your forgiveness. We confess that the liberty you so graciously gave us has become a license to do as we please. Our culture mocks you. Our highest courts are esteemed above your word. We've traded genuine spirituality for temporary pleasure, true virtue for hollow celebrity. We teach our children self-indulgence, yet stand mystified at the blood on their hands. We lust after material things, yet wonder why our souls are empty. We lament the walls that divide us, even as we segregate ourselves. Revive us, O Lord. Your presence is our only hope. Impart to us your passion for good over evil. As we humble ourselves and seek your face, forgive us, O God, and heal us. Make us one that America would be the land you envisioned from the beginning, a beacon of hope lifted to the world, a people free to serve you and one another in genuine love. In the name of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, in the name of Jesus Christ, our King who allows us to return today and forever into his presence. Amen. And he shouldn't have just gotten a golf clap for that from the people that were there. Should have been called down. And um, I immediately texted him. I said, um, I just wanted you to, to know that I, how much I appreciate your heart for God. I said, you did a great job of bringing unity in a very divisive time. We are citizens of the kingdom of God first. Next time you make it up my way, you better let me know. And here he is. Um, The thing that I, I love about Tom, and, and you're in for a treat, and, and I don't think even he knows what is about ready to happen. <laughs> God knows, though. And I'm just excited about, about what, uh, what God's going to do and is doing through his ministry. He is a post-partisan bridge builder, praying for legislators and governors on both sides of the aisle. For the past five weeks since that prayer, um, that since the return, he's been traveling around uh, on a race around the United States to do pre-election prayer, meeting with all 50 legislators and governors and, and praying with them. And uh, he's, just this past week, I've been texting and emailing and calling back and forth. I think it was in Louisiana, Texas, Alaska, Hawaii. This is just this week. Um, where after Hawaii did you go? Boston? You flew into Boston from Hawaii and then went down to Montpelier, Vermont. And now he is in the center of the universe the most important state, the most influential city, and the best church that I know uh, at, the, at the tail end of this, of this whole like uh, amazing race. And I think he might hit New York or something after this, but nah, who cares about that? Um, this, is, this is the exclamation point on the end of his trip. And, um, and so I'm, just, I'm excited about what God's gonna do. Would you join me, whether you're here or online, with welcoming a new life, hearty welcome, Pastor Tom Demery. Mike, you only told me like 14 times, so okay, I got it. Um, 
you know, we clap at the end of worship sometimes. And, there's, and, I, and I was a worship pastor for years, and uh, I hope I still am a worship pastor. I hope we're all worship pastors. Amen? You know what I mean? Um, but man, it's hard for me sometimes when they, when they, uh, and, and the Nashville looking dude who said, let's all give the Lord a praise. Where are you? Are you here? Are you, he had the Nashville jacket and the whole thing, dude, with the rolled up jeans. Anyway, um, when he said typical worship dudes, they do the music and then they go out and do their, you know, Starbucks thing. Um, but when he said, did anybody else, when he said, you know, let's, let's pray, which is good. I'm not, it's not a criticism. Are you with me? Okay. Don't, um, uh, you know, and like his best buddies are watching online and don't, don't be offended. Your generation gets offended way too easy. So does mine. But dude, you make me look like, like the most unoffendable dude ever come. So let's stop that. Amen? Amen. Wouldn't it be a worthy goal if the whole body of Christ would say, you know what? I am going to dig so hard into the spirit of Christ and receive the fullness of what he's baptizing me in, even ongoingly, not just a one-time event, but right now, that I'm going to be unoffendable for the rest of my life. Come on. I'll take that. So I promise you this isn't any kind of correction, because I probably would have said the exact same thing. But for me sitting in the chair, it's like, you know, I just want to be alone. Was anybody else there? I mean, I was overwhelmed. That's what God does, man. He inhabits. He inhabits the praises of his people. You can be in a church that does everything wrong. But if there's people in the room who are genuinely pouring out their heart in adoration to the God of the universe, his presence will show up. And if your spiritual ears are on, you'll, you'll hear it. If your spiritual eyes are open, you'll see it. If your soul is tuned to his wavelength, it'll, it'll wreck you. It'll wreck you. Be careful, though. Because of that, because we're so, we're spoiled. We're spoiled with the, I mean, these guys are gifted. We're in Maine. You know, we're not like in Hollywood here. You know what I'm saying? Uh, and I've been in a few places. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm the most unimportant guy that ever goes into the important places. That's my ministry. Um, no, it really is. I, I'll, I may talk a little more about it. I talked a lot about it in the last service. By the way, here's what I'm going to do, I think. Um, oh, we're spoiled. That's what I want to get back to. We're spoiled. Um, but here's what I'm going to do, I think. It's so stupid for me to say here's what I'm going to do because the odds of that happening are, are so close to zero, it's just frightening. But I think I know what, I, what I'm supposed to do, and we'll see how it goes. I better not tell you because if I don't do it, you're going to think I don't have the Holy Spirit in me. Um, but what I think I'm going to do is, is teach on something that I think God really wants to deposit here and it's going to be different um, quite a bit than what we did in the, oh, I'm supposed to do it this way. In the last service, okay, in the last service, somebody needs to level this platform so it doesn't, <laughs> holy cow, you guys, Maine. It's, a, it's like an like ice heave. Anyway, um, 
I've been here. Uh, the last service was all about unity, and it was kind of a, it, and it wasn't like, oh, let's all be in unity. It was more of a John the Baptist kick your butt, you know, you better get it, we better be together kind of message. But people actually liked it. You know, you know that people know that you love them when you can beat the crud out of them for an hour and they come up after you and say, that was awesome. <laughs> early in my life, er, I'm still early in my life, but earlier in my life, it, when, you're a, when you're a public speaker, you have a responsibility. It's a weird gig. Having a microphone on is a weird, the whole thing's weird. The way we do church is weird. Everything we do is weird, but we reclaim the word so it works a little bit, so hallelujah, we're getting there. We could do better. That's another message. Anybody understand what I'm talking about? I'm not throwing us under the bus. We're supposed to be the church. Now I probably can't be seen on the camera. Don't care. We're supposed to be the church. We're not supposed to come here on Sunday morning and get some cheat notes to make it six, six days and 23 hours until we get the next inoculation. Holy cow. At what point does what we do on Sunday morning stop being apprenticeship training and at what point do we become journeymen for the king of the universe? I mean, holy cow, we've been doing this forever. I guess, I guess we're in that butt-kicking thing in this service now. Hallelujah. So... The last service was all about our need to be one. And, it, and, and dude, I got nothing. Okay, I'm a pile of dirt trying to glorify God, same as you. I don't know anything, but you know what? I know a guy who knows everything. And he loves me. And he loves you. And he'll change us if we let him. If we let him. The sweetest words in Scripture to me are, if you will receive it. They're also the hardest words in Scripture for me. Do you realize when we get to heaven that, that we will see how, what we could have received? Somehow the joy of being in his presence will overcome our regret, so it'll, it'll be cool anyway. That's why if this message is horrible, I don't really care because you know, tell me later, but if it's horrible, come tell me in heaven, because I won't care in heaven. <laughs> Whatever. But we, I don't want to stand there. I know before the white throne of judgment that I'm going to get a pass because my name's in the book. I'm not going to be embarrassed in front of the whole universe. I'm not going to be uncovered in front of the whole universe. Because God's going to treat me with dignity that I don't deserve. In a, in a manner so beyond what we can ever experience here. But I also know that my life will be revealed, and so will yours. And somehow he'll be able to do that without embarrassment, without uncovering for the elect. God forbid if you're not part of the elect. That'll be a massacre. God forbid that some of your family and friends aren't part of the elect. What if you're the person put on this planet just for them? Not to give them the four spiritual laws. I don't even know what the four spiritual laws are. I'd have to go look it up. I'd have to Google it. Google knows more how to evangelize by the four spiritual laws than I do. I've never used them. I've never handed out a track in my life. 
And, but I've probably gotten to lead about 500 people to Christ. Not here. This is shooting fish in a barrel. You kidding? You guys come to hear a message, and I say it on a microphone. Wow! You know, big deal. I mean, God moves. It's, it's good. But don't think that this is what evangelism looks like. Evangelism is every minute of your life. Discipleship training isn't seminars and go to 101, 201, 301. Discipleship training is living by the Spirit of Christ. And by osmosis, rubbing off each other, making them look and smell like Jesus, just like you. How about that? I don't want to stand before him and see the places where all I had to do was say, yeah, I'll receive everything you have for me. God's given me some gifts, and, and they're sweet. But I never asked for one of them. I'm not, you know, I don't know if that's good or bad, but I, I'll tell you the way I think about it. Why in the world would I want to dictate to the king of everything what I need? My guess is he knows better than me. So all I've ever prayed is to get out of his way. So what did I say I was going to get back to? What? I left my hearing aids in Hawaii. No, not, that's, not, that's not fake. That's real. We're spoiled. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you. Uh, your pastor just confessed in front of all of you. Did you hear him? I'm spoiled, he said. And yes, you are. We all are. We come here and we hear... I asked him in the first service, who's the worship chick? She's, it's great. It's his wife. <laughs> I didn't say she's great looking. I mean, she is, but that wasn't being inappropriate. I, I mean, there's a sweetness when people are up here doing their thing and they're not doing it for them. And you can tell. And you, can, and it, you, can't, there, you can't teach it. There's not a way to do it. You ever been with somebody who's been to way too many Dale Carnegie courses? You know, what's your name? What's your name? Chris, Chris, you ever been to some place, talk to somebody that, you know, Chris, they've been to too many of those courses where, you know, Chris, they like to insert your name. You know, Chris, it just bothers me. They just keep putting your name, you know. Chris, they do this everywhere they go, and they think by saying, you know, to people, you know, who, what their first name is. Chris, you get what I'm saying, right? And you think, dude, if you do another Dale Carnegie thing, I am going to kill you right now. <laughs> you can't teach how to make something not about you. You cannot do it. What that, what that better looking guy than me said on that video, that unity isn't something I can teach you, but only someone that we can receive to the full, there's like a, there's like a 10 week message there. But you know what, it's not a 10 week message. I don't know, how long are you gonna live? 90, 100? Is Jesus coming back tomorrow? I don't know. I hope. I hope he comes back before I'm done. I'm not sure how great the rest of this is going to be. <laughs> but you can't, the, the massiveness of oneness in him is not something that we could ever teach. It's only someone. And, and the reason that in the last service that my, you know, I guess it's kind of a John the Baptist-y style of, you know, 
You know, if you're repentant, then bear fruits worthy of repentance. Holy cow, that was John's message to the church, to the Pharisees. That's who we are, beloved, just so you know. When you look at that stuff and say, where do we fit in? We're the Pharisees who thought we had it all going. And John was this wacko. And when they showed up, he said, you think you're righteous, blah, 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 blah. Bear fruits worthy of repentance. Look like it. But people love this guy. Why? Because he loved them. Because he was real. If you really love people, Chris, <laughs> Tom, thank you, and no genuflecting, please. If you really love people, they know. Amen? And if they know, it's like with your own kids. You can beat the crud out of them if they need to be beaten the crud out of. And sometimes we do. Pastor Kevin Roberts is with me. Wave, Kevin. Hey, say hi. No, say it like you mean it so the people online think, woo, he's really cool. Do it again. He knows me like a rock. I've known him since he was 12 years old. And we hold each other completely accountable. And we're not the only friends we both have. But the friendship that we have is a Jesus friendship. And it's cool and it's fun and it's intimate and it's, and it's great because it's him. But if we didn't have stuff like this, if I didn't have friends like him to help me calibrate those faithful wounds of a friend, dude, I don't know who I'd be or what I'd be. Anyway, all that to say, the presence of God is here and you're spoiled rotten because don't deceive yourself that you can come to church and feel his presence, and that means you're in a good spot. All that means is you came to a gathering of believers, and somebody in the room was sincere. Might have been you, might not, but those sincere people cried out, so God's manifest presence shows up, and it wrecks you. That's the same thing when our kids go off to a youth camp, and and as parents, we all want to live vicariously through all of their exploits, So we just brag on, oh, my kids are on fire for God. You know, all the people I knew growing up who bragged the most about how their kids are on fire for God, they were all the people whose kids went down the dark rabbit hole in their young adult life. Because their parents said stuff like that all the time because their kids were their props. Look at that, look at, oh, look at, woo! Don't think your kids are on fire because they jump up and down in the mosh pit at a worship gathering. The reason they get excited at a worship gathering may just be, may just be cultural, may just be great music, but most of the time, that is genuine because the presence of God is being poured out and it's awesome. But that doesn't mean they're holy. That doesn't mean we're holy. You know how you know if you're holy? When you sin, when you sin, not if you sin, right? When you sin, Does it bother you? Doesn't always bother me right away. It should. I sang a song in the first service. It's an awesome story, right? It is. I mean, it's worth going, here's what I'm going to do. I started saying it before, but now I'll finish that thought. I'm going to teach on something. Did I already say that? I'm going to teach on something different than last time? Okay, I already said it, so don't say it again. Dude, you're boring me now. Okay. 
but you should go back and look at the last one. And I'm not saying this because I'm, oh my gosh, you're so lucky that I'm here today. God forbid, that's not my attitude. But I believe there's something going on. And I dig your guy. And that's, not a, that's a big mountain to climb because Jeff and Derry Lynn have been friends of, of Deanna's and mine for probably 18 years. So it's really hard for old dudes to accept the new millennial dude. That's just the way it is. I mean, I'm sure he needed to check me out as well, but I needed to check him out. And even though Jeff would brag on him behind the scenes, so what? I got to see it for myself. I got a little Missouri in me when it comes to millennials. Amen? Don't tell me, buddy. Show me. But this house, even if you don't, you've never seen me, is precious to me. And so, and, and I got nothing, just like you, just like we said before, but I believe God sent me here on purpose. And that's not arrogant. That's just, that's just the way God does stuff. Deal with it. Because of that, I think it's important that I do what he's called me to do here today. And it's more than I, what I can teach you in one service. It's more than I could do in two. But there's no sanctity in teaching the same thing at every service. Like, oh. You know, if you want to get the full dose, you know, if you, go to, if you want to go to Baskin-Robbins and get some watered-down ice cream and get one scoop, you know, knock yourself out. I'd rather go to Haagen-Dazs and get three scoops. I'd rather get the higher fat, higher flavor, fill it up until I, I cannot move. That's what I want. So I'm going to teach on something different. Um, that whole thing of bothering you when you sin, I told this story about going to a prayer thing and about a tattoo that God miraculously put on my arm. And it's a great story, and you should hear it. So this song won't mean that much to you without hearing the story behind it, but one of the verses came from a tattoo that God literally supernaturally wrote on my arm when I was having a tough time uh, being bothered that I was sinning. Are you with me? I sinned, didn't care, God cared, tried to get there, couldn't get there, gave me a tattoo, helped. Get the story? Doesn't make sense without the story. You gotta see the last service. But you like the song anyway. And I stand on the promises for revival in my soul. And I stand on your word, oh God. You alone can make me whole When shadows seem to overwhelm The covenant I've made Forgiveness brings me back to you For my ransom has been paid Ransom has been paid Cause you paid the price For everything I've done To you I'm priceless As if I were the only one Before the cross You knew Everything I'd be, still you came to set me free. 
even when I let you down, you are faithful to forgive. You come and turn my heart around so that I can truly live. One more time. Even when I let you down, you are faithful to forgive. Even when I let you down, you are faithful to forgive. Somebody needs to hear that. I'm really sorry, but I'm going to sing that one more time. Even when I let you down, you are faithful to forgive right now. Cause you come and turn my heart around So that I can truly live Even when I let you down You are faithful to forgive You come and turn my heart around So that I can truly live this part was a tattoo. I know your blood has set me free, truly free indeed. So help me, Lord, to walk it out, for this is my daily need. This is my daily, my need. Even when we let you down, you are faithful to forgive. Come and turn our heart around so that we can truly live. know your blood has set us free, truly free indeed. So help us, Lord, to walk it out, for this is our daily need. This is our daily I need. We know your blood has set us free, truly free indeed. So help us, Lord, to walk it out. Oh, this is our daily need. This is our daily need. This is our daily need. We know your blood has set us free, 
truly free indeed. So help us, Lord, to walk it out. For this is our daily need. In the last service, I talked about one of the phrases in your text from last week where it says, if need be, if need be. Where it says in this, we're talking about the, 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 the hope of the resurrection, the incorruptible and undefiled hope. That's an awesome passage from verse 3 to verse 8. But in verse 6 it says, excuse me, 3 to 9, but in verse 6 it says, in this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you've been grieved by various trials. For those of you who can't stand Donald Trump, if need be, he'll be reelected. For those of you who would never vote for a Democrat for a billion dollars, if need be, I mean, Joe Biden will be president. Sorry, that was a tell, wasn't it? Sorry. I did that on purpose to make a point. By that little attempt at humor, you can tell probably which way I'm going to pull the lever. But I guarantee you it's not because God's a Republican. When we did this event on the mall, there was also another event going on. And I'll say this in both services, even though I can't believe I said it in the last one. The other service was a Franklin Graham thing. I don't know Franklin. I had the honor of being with his dad for about 25 minutes one-on-one years ago, and I know a lot of people in the organization, and they help us a lot, dude. They're the sweetest people ever. But when Franklin Graham does an event, it's not a, it's not a prayer rally. It's a Trump rally. I mean, so call it what it is. Be honest. I don't think, I'm not saying that he's not honest, but, but we're so... After the Reagan revolution, the, the white evangelicals in America thought the only way to preach the gospel was with a trailer attached to the Republican Party. And the other side of the aisle did the exact same thing. We, people on the right side of the aisle don't think the other side of the aisle did the same thing because we don't even know the other side of the aisle. But everybody knows what the right side does because it's all over the news. How do you think that hitching our wagons to politics has, has worked? Pretty good, huh? That's why we're living in this incredible revival that America has dreamed of. I'm not anti-political, you guys. If you knew me, you would know that I have a take, and I have a strong take. And by God's grace, somehow now I have friends. I have hundreds of friends who serve on Capitol Hill, and now, in the last few weeks, I, never, I didn't know one governor a month ago, and now we've personally connected with almost 40 of them by their cell phone. Favor is better than talent. Right. Right. Trying to know the structure of every state would be like learning the D.C. maze 50 times over. Not a chance. But God knows. 
And they're lonely cats, by the way. They need friends. We talked about that a lot in the last service. And if you like all that talk about governors and congressmen and all that fun behind-the-scenes cool stuff, then listen to the first service. But it really wasn't about that. It was about why it matters. Because we do a horrible job of praying for our leaders. But we do a great job of criticizing them. I am going to get to the slides because I want to make a point. Remind me, criticizing them. It won't be hard because I do it all the time. I'm going to teach. How about that? Ephesians 6. I'm going to read from New Living, even though I don't usually teach from New Living. I usually teach from New King James because it sounds holier. Um, But sometimes it shocks me when I hear it in a different kind of language. A final word, the Lord says. Some would say Paul says. Paul doesn't say anything. God spoke through Paul's pen. I mean, it does matter contextually that Paul, because God's not, God's not unaware that he had Paul do this. He knew it then. He knows it now. But it wasn't Paul's words. Every single syllable in the word of God is Jesus Christ. Amen? So don't worry if you're quoting scripture about who said it. Just say Jesus says, because that's not theologically incorrect. Are you with me? Come on, are you with me? I'm not doing that to feel good. I'm doing that so people online think we're really holy and cool, and they'll maybe start coming to the church. All right? I mean, come on, I'm here. I might as well give a plug. All right. A final word. Be strong in the Lord. Ephesians 6, starting at verse 10. A final word. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Sorry, that's a King James default. And in his mighty power. What's that mean? It means like mighty might, like, 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 you know, like that little doll they had in the 70s that you could stretch and it wouldn't break, whatever that was called, the He-Man doll. I mean, it literally means, it means like mighty might. It means like Arnold Schwarzenegger for God. Are you with me? Come on, are you with me? Yeah, you liked all the stories better, but I'm going to teach, and this is good, so just pay attention. Put on all of God's armor so that you'll be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil, for we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities in the unseen world. Huh. Huh. Even at election time. (gasps) Against mighty powers in this dark world and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Verse 13. Therefore... Put on every piece of God's armor. How many want to go out to battle with their helmet off? Come on. Really? Dude, I want all the, I want all the, what do you call it? Kevlar, right? I want all the Kevlar. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you'll be able to resist. What's James say? Resist the enemy and he will, he will flee. He'll run away like a little girl. Wait, actually, I've come to find at this point in my life that little girls are far more courageous than little boys. He'll run away like a little boy. We're in verse 13. You should have your phones out and be following me along. You know, your Bible, you know, your phone. So you'll be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you'll still be standing firm. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth, number one. 
the body armor of God's righteousness, number two. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news that shows that you're fully prepared. That's number three. In addition to these, hold up number four, the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. And then verse 17, put on five, the salvation as your helmet. Dude, that's a nice hat, amen? Come on, somebody. Come on, salvation's a good hat. Come on, come on. All right. And take six, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. We were at a church recently where I heard the preacher say the sword. And I thought, wow, that sounds way holier than when you say sword. And the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Verse 18, pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. Hmm. Hmm. Verse 19. And pray for me too. See, Jesus knows that Paul's writing this. Ask God to give me, Paul, weird, to give me the right words so I can boldly explain God's mysterious plan that the good news is for Democrats and Republicans alike. That's how it reads in my Bible. I think I cheated and changed it. In 1 Corinthians 9, Christ speaks through Paul saying this, though I am free and belong to no one, I've made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law. So as to win those under the law, to those not having the law, I became like one not having the law. Though I am not free from God's law, but I'm under Christ's law. So as to win those not having the law. To the weak I became weak. To win the weak I have become all things to all people. So that by all possible means I might save some. I do this all for the sake of the gospel that I may share in its blessings. In the living Bible that came out in the early 70s, that verse verse number 22 says... uh, where it says, I've become all things to all people, that's actually translated, so I will find common ground with them. To the Black Lives Matter marchers, I've become a Black Lives Matter lover. And by the way, I've spoken at two Black Lives Matter rallies. And I, I think the force behind Black Lives Matter is evil. But my heart melts for the people who are tired of getting pulled over 20 times a year because they don't look like most of us in this room. And I actually know people like that. How about that? I preach in churches where they haven't ever had a Republican speaker in their life. They didn't book me because I'm Republican. They probably don't even know. That's the grace God's given me. He's good. When I'm with a Democrat elected official, they often think I'm one of them. And when I'm with the Republican, they think I'm one of them. But if our bond is the common ground in Christ, I am one of them. Come on. We don't even know how to be friends with people different than us. We are more ethnocentric and cliquish now than at any time in the American church. 
you got to hear the first service if you can. I mean, listen to it in the car or something. You say at the end if I'm whistling Dixie or not. I think it's important. And I'm not going to go there. I'm going somewhere else here. I mean, it's, it's all the same because it's all Jesus. When people go, well, that kind of sounded like the other one anyway. Well, good. It better. If the last time I sounded like Jesus, I hope I don't sound like somebody else this service. Amen? Amen. Holy cow. I'm not Hindu. Holy cow. <laughs> Why does Paul say in verse 19, and pray for me too? Come on. Where does that come from? You're reading all this and you're thinking, oh, I'm all good. Okay, I got it with the feet. Woohoo! Sword. Whoa! Ready. Ready! Give me your best shot, devil. By the way, that whole Carmen kind of stuff, give me your best shot, devil, that's stupid on purpose. Okay? Do not taunt the devil to give you his best shot. You got to be just brain dead while you're walking around to do something like that. When you're ready, you're ready. And what you want to say is, put me in, coach. That's the ready you want to be. Amen? We're not the people against. We're the people under. We're the people who are ambassadors. So when we say, get out, this horde of demons goes, we better go. Well, why? Because you're so powerful? No. You're a pile of dirt trying to glorify God, same as me. But when you say that as an ambassador of Christ, the legions of heaven are behind you, and these demons can see it. And when you say, get out, they're like, ah! You see who's behind them? That's why it works. We got nothing, but he has everything. And if we'll receive it to the full, so will we. So Paul's doing all this glorious stuff of all these, all these armor, and we've all, you know, we, we have posters in the children's ministry of the helmet, and all, you know, we all learn the six pieces of armor and everything. Woohoo! And the sword is the greatest one. And all, we, you know, all the fathers of the faith have written about it. And then he says in verse 19, and pray for me too. Can you imagine Chris, my good friend Chris, who I've sold insurance to, hallelujah. Could you imagine, nothing against insurance people, hallelujah, we all need insurance, okay? God is our refuge, but wisdom says get insurance. Could you imagine writing something like that to talk about the absolute magnificent holy armor of God? that you know as your pen is moving, you know this is going to be taught for ages. This is how people are going to get through spiritual battle their whole life, and God's allowing me to write it. And then suddenly he says, and tell them to pray for you too. It's like, you got to be kidding. This is important. This is instruction for the body. Why in the world would you say, and pray for me too? And my guess is that the Lord probably, I don't know what Paul's, I don't know what his, you know, love language was with the king. Mine is smart aleck argument. That's where me and God, how we communicate. You know, I, I say things like, you're killing me, God, and I hear the sound of many waters say, yes, I am. <laughs> because you need killing. That's my relationship with God. I'll say, no, 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 I don't want to. It's too hard. Nobody could do that. No money. You know, we don't have this and that. And he'll say, huh, and then finally I get to the end of the slack. And then he'll say to me, almost word for word, so many times in my life, it's the sweetest thing in my life, he'll say, wasn't there a day that you told me it all belonged to me? Are, 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 are you renegotiating? And then I'll say, no, bring it. 
I don't, I'm not the, I'm so thankful for the parable of the two sons. You know, the one who said, yeah, I'll be there. You know, the brown noser who, ah, and then didn't show up. And then the other guy who said, not a chance, but then he came. I'm the second guy. I'm always that second guy. Hallelujah that God writes about the second guy. I guess it's okay. I've got to see the Lord raise the guy from the dead under my own sinful hand. Why? Because I have such great faith? No, because I have this level of faith. Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. That's the best I've ever gotten. The best I've ever gotten is in the same breath, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. It's not our gig, beloved. It's not our harvest. It's his. He does all the heavy lifting. We step into the ring. We dance around for 10 rounds. And, and at the end, he raises our glove because nobody laid a hand on us. As Muhammad Ali would say, we beautiful. That's not how most of us wrestle. Most of our spiritual lives are pugilistic where we get in the ring. And at the end of the match, at the end of the fight, we're just slightly less dead than the other guy. But we're both beat to a pulp and barely living. I mean, true, you look at like this UFC stuff. One, sometimes it's dead, but usually they don't die. It's better for ratings if they don't die. Well, they got to die a little bit and ratings go up, but too much death would, would kill it. But the guy that's less dead, they call the winner. You want to be that kind of a winner? Ah, I'll recover someday, maybe. But if you are that guy that jumps around the whole time and they never lay a glove on you, when the sports broadcasters come to you and say, how in the world did you fight the best fighter on the planet and not get a glove on you? You say, because my dad fixed the fight. Because <laughs> it's not about us, it's about him. It's always about him. Paul asked for prayer for himself because it's always personal. When people say, oh, it's not personal, it's always business, eh, everything's personal. Every decision is personal. God knows we have a soul. He gave it to us. So stop treating people like they are a, a transactional, you know, speed bump in your life. And treat them as the beloved of Christ. Amen? Amen. Everyone. Amen? That means tip your barista. That means tip your, your, your housekeeper at a hotel. That means treat service kindly, even if their service stinks and the food's horrible. You know, if you're really kind to a server at a restaurant and your food's horrible, they're so happy to bring you another plate. They don't care. They'll bring you extra stuff. You'll get free dessert. And don't tip based on, well, we don't drink and we don't get, you know, we don't get appetizers. We come at, at the early time and we only get this. Don't then do a percentage of what that is. Do a percentage of what somebody that actually want to wait on would order and then tip on that and tip big. How many people are going to be lined up in heaven saying, you know, for a stupid five more dollars, here, 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 you could have led 300 more people to Christ. But you save five bucks every time. Okay, so what's the most effective weapon on the list? Somebody. Good answer. Sword. Anybody else? Sword? Do we have sword? Sword going once, going twice. Sword. Wrong. I think. Now, hold on before you throw me into theological prison. 
I get it that the Word of God, can you believe I'm holding up an iPad? I, don't, I, my, I do have a preaching Bible. It's really kind of a prop because I don't open it much when I preach nowadays. But I bring it so I look holier. I don't have it. It's at the hotel. Maybe the maid at the Holiday Inn Express is getting blessed right now reading my Bible. Um, I hope so. Uh, I know she'll get blessed when we leave. And I shouldn't say she, but I've never seen male housekeepers at a hotel, so probably that's why I profile. Everybody profiles, by the way. We all profile. It's not, it's not racist to profile. It's, it's wisdom to profile. You know, um, you just can't do it with any hate in your heart. I don't care if you're short, short, fat, tall, skinny, black, white, brown. doesn't matter. You may know things in general because you've been around the block. It's not your first rodeo. Well, it's not mine either. So what? You don't know anything. But you know a guy who knows everything. Trust his voice. I submit to you the best weapon on the list is the one they don't teach our kids in, in uh, children's ministry. It's verse 18. And pray in the spirit at all times. Pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all people, all believers, everywhere. In the traditional translations, that verse says, praying always with prayer and supplication. Prayer and supplication in the Spirit. By the way, prayer and supplication are two different things. This is how Americans pray. Supplication. We're like five-year-old kids with the Sears catalog with our wish list for Christmas. I need this and 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 this. That's supplication. It's okay. It's part of prayer, but it's not prayer. Prayer is a conversation. That's why it says be anxious for nothing but in everything with prayer and supplication. Guess what they mean? And. Two different things. Your prayer life isn't your laundry list of what you want. Praying in the spirit at all times. All these other weapons are the ground weapons that, that we use in the, on the battlefield. And praying in the spirit at all times is like when you call in the strike and, and, and the Air Force comes in and just carpet bombs the whole enemy and they're gone. And you kind of think, why didn't we do that first? Right? Now, some of you are going to say, but wait a minute, what about this whole sword of the spirit thing. I mean, come on, the word of God is, is Jesus. How can you say that's not the most important thing? I'm not saying that. Remember, in the kingdom, one and one doesn't make two, right? One and one makes 10,000, makes a gazillion. Not the same math as human math. A drawn sword, a drawn sword is a prayerful act. Every time you draw a sword, you don't just draw your sword. I'm talking about, this is talking in the context of spiritual battle. Not in the context of your daily discipline. Are you with me? Somebody say yes. In spiritual battle, you would be a fool to pull your sword to start making declarations and decrees there's all this culture in the church nowadays that go around and charge people hundreds of dollars to come to their seminar and get some thing that says you're a prophet now because you paid 700 bucks to come be one. Oh my gosh. Go away. And, that, and these are the people that declare and decree. 
all the time. Oh, I'm just going to declare and decree. Well, good for you. If God says to declare, you don't have to say, I'm going to declare. Because the people who have an ear to hear will know it's a declaration of God if it's a declaration of God. Holy cow, what's wrong with us? All that stuff is the Jesus is not enough crowd. Stop it. Don't be attracted to that stuff. Here's my discipleship program. Uh, not mine. This, excuse me, because that wouldn't be worth following. This is what I believe. I submit to you. Different language, but importantly different. I submit to you that this is what I think would be the best discipleship plan. Get all the Jesus you can inside. Receive him to the full, beloved. Because he loves you so much. And then trust him that he wants to come out more than you want him to come out. Just love people in real time by the Spirit of Christ. Pray in the Spirit at all times, on every occasion. Does that mean, does that mean praying in tongues? It, it, it could. That could be part of it. But it certainly doesn't mean only that. It's impossible that it does because in 1 Corinthians 14, it tells us not to do that just glibly and just haphazardly. So it's impossible that that's what that means, even though the charismaniac side of the church has always interpreted it to mean that. I do pray in my spiritual language all the time because when you lead 30,000 miles of prayer walks around the country, trust me, you run out of English words. <laughs> and I've been in southern Florida a couple times where I've gotten that gift where I can prophesy over people in Spanish, not, not sophisticated level, but but fluently and I know what I'm saying it's amazing and then I get back on the plane and it's I'm just another white guy it's all gone I love that but I don't get that much but I know I can speak with the tongues of angels and intercede at a level that's beyond mine so I do that a lot but that's not what this means this means to pray as you're led this means to not go anywhere without a leader not for one second means to abide in Christ. Amen? Amen? By the way, I'm not a prayer guy. I, I lead prayer and whatever. I, God forbid that I'm a prayer guy. God forbid that you're a prayer guy, Chris. God forbid that you're a prayer guy, Justin, or Kevin. And I know Kevin. I know he's not. I'm getting to know you. I, I, I trust you're not. And, dude, I hope you're not. <laughs> Chris doesn't want to be a prayer guy. He wants to be a Jesus guy. And because he's a Jesus guy, he prays. Prayer has become an idol in this generation. And everybody wants to tell you how to do it right. Dude, prayer is a conversation with your master, with your Lord, with your Savior, with your friend. He'll teach you plenty. Just go be alone with him and he'll do it. My wife and I have a pretty good gig. We like each other. Sometimes we like each other in a married way. Is anybody following me? <laughs> if she was here today 
and I wanted to prove to you how, how intimate we can be, should I say, and for example, should I do that? Would, you, would that be fun? It'd be kind of icky, wouldn't it? Why? If that's, if that's, why? Because intimacy requires that we steal away and be alone. And yet, so many believers never get alone with their bridegroom, ever, ever. Their whole prayer life, their whole worship life, their whole adoration life is here where somebody else is doing it for you. I went to Catholic school as a kid. It's like the nuns with the clicker. Tick, tick, you know, genuflex, stand, do this. It's actually, you don't need PE at a Catholic school. You get a lot of stuff going. <laughs> You're not intimate with God, beloved, unless you're intimate alone. And unless you're intimate with God alone, you're not intimate with God at all. Because real intimacy requires that we steal away. Does God ever wake you up in the middle of the night to just hang out with him? Nobody look around because I don't want judgment. Okay, this isn't too much stuff in the body of Christ is like an ice skating thing in the Olympics where everybody wants to hold up their number after to see 9.6, 9.2. Oh my gosh, we got to stop that. We got to stop being hall monitors for each other. When you hear a convicting message, don't you dare look at somebody next to you and think they really need to hear that. If you think they really need to hear that when you're convicted, that proves that this message is for you. So shut up and listen. But how many would say right now that being woken up in the middle of the night by the Lord, I don't mean sleeplessness that's some kind of a torment, but I mean God coming to you and saying, come away with me. How many experience that regularly? Just do a tiny hand wave, hand raise. Okay, it's about two. And there's more than two people in the room. There'd be no Pentecost walk without night watches. Who cares? Let's get bigger. There'd be no Savior that came to die for us, for our redemption, without night watches. God spoke to Joseph in a dream. There'd be no people of God, period, that started under the Abrahamic covenant if Abraham wasn't awoken by the Lord in the middle of the night. When God says to him in Genesis 15, look up at the stars, if you can count them. There ain't stars in the daytime, pal. The sweetest times in my life with the Lord are in the middle of the night. Always have been. Because if you get away, you're quiet. I wrote a song about it. Uh, uh, in the stillness of the night, I hear your whisper. I mean, oh my gosh. I got to get out of here, so I'm going to finish real quick. I was going to teach about how we don't pray for leaders, but I did, and it's worthy of hearing because it matters. And it doesn't matter because of politics. It matters because of Jesus. It matters because of the whole society we live in. So I urge you to listen to the first. But let me say this about prayer. 
I think you could go in your Bible. Are we good? Are we? I, I don't. Okay. Stupid to do that. I, I said in the last service, that's like, that's like asking if Johnny can stay for dinner when Johnny's standing right next to you. What is your mom going to say? No, I hate Johnny, right? right? I mean, it's, it's like, it's a setup. Can Johnny stay? Oh, yeah. You know, then after Johnny goes home, she goes, I can't stand that Johnny. Why did you let him stay? But anyway, you'll have to hear that later, I guess. I hope not. You could go in your Bible and go everywhere in the Bible where it says prayer. And you could write prayer and fasting. And I don't think you'd be incorrect theologically. I fast exactly like Jesus fasted. Because the word says after he was in the desert for 40 days and 40 nights, he was what? He was hungry. That's how I feel when I fast. I feel hungry. Just like Jesus. We don't embrace that much because we don't like to be hungry. We think fasting is putting a, 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 a poster in the lobby of the church and everybody takes one meal in a month. And that's like, whoo, we're on a Deborah fast. Oh, our church is on a Deborah fast. Oh, really? You look heavier than last time I saw you. <laughs> well, we don't fast fast. You know, I'm fasting lunch on, uh, I think, a week from Thursday. And man, am I getting ready. I'm reading books on it. If God doesn't call you to fast, you know why? You know why? Because you're not intimate with him. Because he's never been different. He's never been a God that doesn't call people to fast. He's never been a God that doesn't call people to give up their stuff. He's never been a God that doesn't call you to sacrifice. He's also never been a God that doesn't embrace you with a love so overwhelming you lose yourself and you can't even stand it. It's too much. But if these things I'm talking about aren't a normal part of your life, and guess what? We know they're not because only two people raised their hand on the nighttime thing. Now, there may be other spiritual giants in the room who just didn't want to show off. Fine. Let's let's give the benefit of the doubt. Let's say there were a dozen. There's still more than a dozen people in here. Prayer is not something with a list. A prayer journal is fine. I get it. I mean, I don't do one because I'm probably too ADD. I don't know, but I don't do one. But I think they're great. That's fine. Whatever you want to do, that's great. But journaling is not how you pray. Praying in the Spirit at all times on every occasion, that's how you pray, because that's what God says. You don't even need to go to a seminar. It's right there. Pray in the Spirit at all times on every occasion. Be led by God all the time. What does that lead to? Last thing. It leads to praying with your ears. I think I'm going to write a book called Praying with Your Ears. That's a good expression, isn't it? I get to sit before a lot of people of of tremendous importance. And because we're the opposite, we're not a threat to them, and we can get in where others can't, and I don't understand this favor, and we talked about that in the first service. It's whacked. It's off the chart. But when I'm standing before that person that I've watched on TV for 10 years, and now, now they're my friend, when I get with them, I don't spend the whole time telling them about my life. I want to hear about theirs. Because they're so-and-so. 
And yet you and I stand before and sit before the master of all things, and we do all the talking. I'm going to end with a song about prayer, but before that, I want to tell you, I want to get to that criticism thing. So let's run through those slides real quick, and I'll be done. That's us. Hallelujah. What a great logo. Next. That's us. Remember that prayer you heard at the beginning in the video? Anybody remember that? The good-looking guy in the blue jacket? That was me. If you agree with that and you want to do, say amen to it, do this. Take your phones out, take your Bibles out, and text repent. Leave that up for a second. Let us soak in. 22828. For all you online viewers, that's repent. 22828. By the way, our Facebook page that I forgot to put a slide in there is Pentecost Walk, not Tom Demery. I have a Facebook page, but if I don't know you, I won't friend you. But Pentecost Walk, uh, we can get to know each other there. Next. That's my life. Well, Jesus is my world, Deanna's my life, coffee's my religion, but that's my life, Deanna. And look at what's on her shirt, see that? That's a picture of Deanna after she's been bawling her eyes out for an hour because we found out. Next. Ah! Finally, after our kids being married 10 years, they finally had kids. Kevin had a grandson before I did. Not fair. He's 12 years younger than me. Not fair. But then we had two, so I'm ahead. Ha, 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 ha. Next. <laughs> Lily and Emma. Lily's A, Emma's B. Oh, my gosh. They're, not, they're fraternal, not identical. Next. Next. Oh, oh, I'm going home soon. Next. Oh. Next. That's Daisy. Um, oh my gosh, she's the sweetest dog on the planet. And then there's our grandkids too. Okay, next. That's Kevin's grandson, Samuel. Look at that face. Look at that face. Look at that. Not do this. Oh. Next. Next governor of Montana. Great guy. Great house. Jealous. Next. What we do, next. What we do, next. What we did here. Look at that. Jeff and Derry Lynn right there next to me. Woo! Legacy, history, family. Dig it all the way. Next. We've done that. Next. Congressmen, pastors around them. A very racially mixed city, as you can tell. Next bunch of pastors who never knew each other. This was in Tampa area, and some of these guys had never spoken to each other. They were a lot more, but this was before everybody else came. But they hadn't spoken together in 30 years, even though they pastored in the same church. Happens everywhere we go. We talked about that in the first service. Next. Uh, prayer people, notice the flags. Prayer people love flags. Next. Some guy who you know who he's going to vote for, and he, and he makes it clear. Next. Maxine Waters' chief, you know who he's going to vote for. Great guy, loves the Lord. Hallelujah. They're both believers. God's not a Republican. Say it with me. God's not. Nor is he a. Good. I don't know what y'all said. You probably cursed, but don't do it. Okay, next. Good friend, good pastor, right in the center. Let's take a minute. I put this in here to pray for him, and I forgot last service. He pastors, he was, he was the first half back, first running back that took a knee in the end zone for the glory of God in the 70s, Herb Lusk, and God called him to put all that, all that money and all that fame aside and go pastor a nothing street front church in Philadelphia in the heart of where it's the worst part of Philly, and he did, and now he's, he does more 
for helping the community and raising people off the street with all kinds of these things that he's built half a city around him of things that he's doing. Greatest guy you'd ever know. And Philly's on fire right now. So Lord, give Herb favor and grace as he takes a lead, not for politics, he's out of that gig, but as he takes a lead, a lead for loving people in the center of chaos in Philadelphia right now. In Jesus' name. Next. My dad passed in the middle of a couple projects ago and Deanna could always make him laugh. I only put that in there because it led me to have a relapse. I happened to have something wrong with me according to the doctors and it was, it's been a pretty gnarly few years lately. That's enough. It's too boring to talk about details, but God's bigger than all that stuff. Amen? Amen. Shout it. Amen? Amen? My dad was the best man I ever knew. Next. Dear friend of mine, some of my white Republican friends don't understand how I could be friends with him, not because he's black. I don't have any friends like that, but because he was the most famous Democrat on the Hill, John Lewis, who marched with Dr. King. But those in the know on the Hill knew that he was the most tender-hearted believer on Capitol Hill. I'll bet we never voted the same once. Don't care. I mean, I care, but I don't care. You get me? You get me? Yeah. Next. Ha-ha, game changer. In the first service with older people, where the demographic was much more monolithic, you should have heard the reaction when this went up. The demographic in this crowd, you can tell immediately, is way more of a, of a mixed bag. So you guys are, oh, that's cool. In the last service, they didn't think quite as much. <laughs> I told a story about something that happened with her that's never happened in modern history ever, and it's huge. Listen to the first service and you'll hear the story next. One of our buddies that Kevin knows, I, I, when I wasn't feeling good, God said, okay, go walk across Texas, you'll feel better, and I did. Hallelujah, next. Prayer walking people, hallelujah, they're from Texas, but God still loves foreigners, next. <laughs> More people from Texas, we were so drawn to the love at the border and the border patrol, that next. Look at that! I'm now friends with the chief of the whole Border Patrol in D.C., and we can go anywhere along the border and gather thousands because they love us, because we sent them a bunch of money. No, because we lobbied for them with their people they wanted to elect. No. Oh, I know what it was. We prayer walked every inch of the southern border and loved on about 600 of these guys along the way in a totally under-the-radar, not fancy, no dog and pony show, no microphones, no platform, just praying for people. That's so weird. That doesn't count. That doesn't go on TV. Nobody cares. That doesn't sell your books. I'm guessing Jesus likes it. I'm guessing. Next. Oh, that's the very end of the border. It was hard to tell, so these guys showed us where the actual water's edge of the border on the Rio Grande is, and none of them would let me hold their guns. Next. <laughs> this is what most of the pictures with these guys looked like in a prayer circle. I'm, I'm the guy with the attractive industrial boots on the bottom but all the rest of this is uh they do that because they can't have their face shown in a lot of parts of the country the border patrol is not allowed to wear their uniform in public or tell their tell their kids aren't allowed to tell their friends that their parents work for the border patrol how's that for unity in america come lord jesus next that's the thing we did you saw the video hallelujah Hallelujah, that meant next. 
That's a song. I, oh, that's a great song. That's Deanna's favorite song. Uh, next time I come, I'll sing it, I promise. Remind me. Next. It's a good song. You'll like it. And that's, oh, that's just like, you guys are going to do an offering for us, which we appreciate more than we can tell you. And Justin's going to tell you many, a million ways you can do that. Um, and uh, that, that's one way you can, and he'll give you others. But what he joked about, oh, you're not, Justin. All white people look the same. Sorry, you're over here. <laughs> what you joked about at the beginning, that now we're here at the end of this thing, that's not a small thing to me. When, I, when we're in the middle of an initiative like this where we preach on Election Sunday is a big stinking deal to us. And we had some options, brother. I mean, your text blessed me, but what you didn't know is I was already praying for you and had a heart to reconnect with this family that we kind of lost that connection. And it wasn't going to come by calling you and, and saying, hey, let's reconnect because, you know, we should. I mean, that might have happened in another three or four years. But when you texted me, there was something in me praying the Spirit at all times. I was going to be at a church that makes way more sense to be at, way bigger, you know, way more not my culture, so it looks like, wow, look what a unifier he is. But God said, come here. So my guess is there's something right now, right here, that's a pivot point for where America's going, or he wouldn't have us here today. Now, that sounds so self-absorbed you want to throw up, but I promise you it's not. It's not. Ask the Lord. Dude, I've never talked about this stuff before, about the, the level that I'm talking about today, and in the first service, I really talked about it. But I didn't realize till yesterday how unusual the favor is that God's given us. And it makes you tremble. We're not important, but if you don't think that how we pray for the nation right now matters... And the follow-up that we're going to have with these guys. There may come a day in the, in the year's future where I'll be this under-the-radar, invisible, unknown guy behind the scenes with virtually every leader in the country and helping to train other people how to come along and do the same. Not in, not in classrooms and, and blah, just by organic, come with me. You know, learn by doing. That might change the whole country. Now, not because of what we're doing, because Jesus wants to change the whole country. But I don't think it's insignificant what he's allowing us to do. So your help today is way appreciated. I, 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 I didn't, last service was more fun, more jokes, more stories. This was more teaching. But I think it was important. I hope we got something. Uh, not saying that so you can say, yes, Pastor, we did. I'm saying that because it's sincere. I hope we got something. Lord, we, we, we don't have a thing. We come empty. But we trust you to fill us up. And the last thing we want is a service with a period at the end where we all go home feeling good about ourselves. We don't want to feel bad about ourselves. But we want our gatherings to always have a comma. Amen? It's just one little blip on the screen of this glorious plan. Like your pastor said, to remember what's ahead. Dude, that'll preach. I'm stealing that right now. <laughs> Lord, help us do exactly that. That may have been the most significant thing said today. Help me remember your plans for me, for good, not for evil. 
to prosper me and not to harm me, that I would have a hope and a future. Help me remember that, that that's who you are, that that's what you're doing right now, and you're going to do it on the way to the car, out of the car, wherever I go for lunch, whatever I watch on TV, whoever calls me when I don't feel like taking a phone call, you're going to do it all day, every day for the rest of my life, and if I'll receive it, I'll have so many testimonies to tell people be tired of hearing me. But you'll know. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Love you guys big time. Good to be here. See ya. If you just join me in praying for these guys, Lord, I just thank you for the opportunity that we get to um, come alongside and um, not just vicariously, but prayerfully join in with what you're doing in, in our country and underground efforts of just truly um, praying and, and coming alongside the, the leaders of our country. Lord, we know that our hope is not in uh, whoever comes next as, uh, as our president. Um, our hope is in you. Our hope is solely on, in you, and so we keep our eyes firm, firmly fixed on you, Jesus. And Lord, we thank you for these, uh, for these men that have been running all around the United States, praying for people on both sides of the aisle, coming to, uh, to, that they would know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And so, Lord, we thank you for them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, listen, if, if you're interested in knowing a little bit more um, and tagging along with, with things that they're doing, uh, we've got a table right out here. Uh, you can get some information there, or you can go to pentecostwalk.org and uh, sign up for email uh, updates as well as on Facebook. If you're interested in giving, being a part of this and sowing into this ministry, we've got some baskets right by the back doors. You can drop it in there, or you can go to uh, pentecostwalk.org as well. And, uh, and give right online through that. So anyway, thank you so much. Tom, Steve, thank you so much for coming and joining us. God bless you. And uh, amen. You guys, you guys excited? All right. All right. Have a great week. <laughs>